Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to introduce you guys to Shoebox. Shoebox is designed for sneaker enthusiasts, a unique, one-of-a-kind, sneaker-inspired pin product. What makes them unique is that 10% from every pin sold goes to purchasing new sneakers for kids in need. At the PLP, we love to support the youth. So y'all use the code LOUNGE20 at checkout to get 20% off. You can find them at shopshoebox.com, so S-H-O-P-S-H-O-O-B-O-X.com or on Instagram at shoebox underscore, S-H-O-O-B-O-X underscore. Thank y'all and enjoy the episode. Tune in. Auntie Tammy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining us on the President's Lounge. I wanted to bring you along to kind of have different conversations, especially we always talk like when we're always in your backyard inside your house. So this conversation is going to be kind of influential for a lot of people to listen to. can probably give people tips and things that they can carry on with. Um, I wanted to start by kind of giving you the floor to introduce yourself and Tell the people who you are and what you do. Uh, well, most importantly, I'm a mother of four grown adult children. <laughs> uh, I'm a grandmother to two mm-hmm. boys, and I have a dog. And <laughs> other than that, I um, am a lawyer. I practice commercial real estate. So if you look around and see all the cranes and all the big big buildings going up, those are my clients. The developers are my clients. So to get into that, how did you get into kind of uh, commercial law? Well, I, I, I knew when I was young that I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I came from Montreal. So before I came to Toronto, I was in pre-law at Concordia University. And way back then, that was a long time ago. So way back then, you had a better chance of getting into law school if you did political science and pre-law courses. And so Uh, That's what I was doing in Montreal. And then I moved to Toronto and uh, life took over and I got married and had uh, the first of my four children. I couldn't go to school, uh, but also I had never worked in English. I had only ever worked in French. So I needed to spend time in an English office learning the language of law in English business language. So I spent uh, a couple of years doing that and then raising the kids. A couple of developers that that, uh, the lawyer that I was working for asked if they could borrow me uh, on a short secondment to their office to uh, help them directly rather than, I guess, maybe billing through the lawyer's office, helping them directly with with their projects and their closings. Uh, so I went into their office for a six-month uh, term, and that just it was that was in the early '90s, and that just exploded into a lot of contract work. And so I ended up opening uh, my own consulting business and ran that for about 15 years, and then I went back to school because it was time. It was yeah. time. How did you know that you kind of knew at that time? Because right then. You already said that you already had one of the I four had kids. two. So had I two had, 
I had my two oldest when mm-hmm. I went back to school. So I went back to school when I was 30. Mm-hmm. And I went back as a mature student. And because I hadn't been in school for so long, uh, I actually went back to university, but I went to Glendon campus, the, the, the French campus mm-hmm. of York University. Um, and I did that because I wanted to be comfortable in both French and English yeah. and, you know, to take exams and write papers in any way that I wanted to. But also I went back full time as a student so that I could be prepared to be a student full time because I hadn't been in school for so long. Um, and it's very different um, sitting in class all day and long, long hours of class. It's very yeah, exactly. different than, than, you know, being productive in a very, very busy real estate practice office. So I wanted to make sure that I was ready because in my mind, going back to school at 30, I had a goal. I wanted to be a lawyer and failure wasn't an option. I had to make sure that I had equipped myself emotionally, as Mm -hmm. well as with all of, I needed a computer, I needed to be familiar with the hardware and, and everything I needed to have a good place to study. And so I wanted to make sure I did that. And so uh, I went back to university for a year before I applied to law school. And then I applied to law school, the beginning of the second year, in case I could get in and I did get in. So I didn't continue on in university. I went straight to law school from, from there. So at the time um, in law school, how did you find the balance of being kind of a mother already and mm-hmm. balancing the heavy workload of being a law student? Well, I, I had, uh, in fact, I had three things going. I had being a mom first, which was, which was the most important was making sure that my children were okay. And then um, I also had the business that I was still running, although I was trying to slow down and not taking on any new projects because I was in school. Mm -hmm. University is, you know, being a mature student in university who has other responsibilities, whether it's work or children or both, you you don't have the luxury of time to do the some of the things that I think are really important when you're in university, like some of the socializing and the, the um, you know, getting to know your peers and 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 yeah, exactly. Uh, those are things that you don't get to participate in as much. Although uh, when I was in law school, we had a very strong group of mature students. I made some very good friends who are my friends today. We support each other today, and and we get the biggest kick out of knowing that all of our children are grown and and we're still hanging around and and uh, laughing with each other and telling old war stories about law school <laughs> and <laughs> you know how we 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 didn't get to play on the football in the football <laughs> matches and yeah. all of that stuff it was very challenging but it's yeah. well worth it it's well worth it the the question that i had also um for and especially now um i know a few people that already have kids and stuff like that. And their whole thing is they're just so busy with work and stuff. Um, how, what's the experience like of being a mature student? Cause a lot of students don't hear from mature students that go to school. Like um, currently right now, like being president of founders, we have a few mature students, but we don't hear from them because they do have such a hectic lifestyle mm-hmm. and there's so mm-hmm. much going on for them. What mm-hmm. was it like for you? So that students can get that point of view from what a, what a mature student would go through like 
So, I mean, the first thing is the mature students don't generally don't live on campus. Exactly. Um, that's, that's the first thing that s- sort of prevents you from connecting mm-hmm. with others as much as, as you would if you were living there. Mm-hmm. But also, because you have a busy life as a mature student, you have a, you have a very busy life. And like I said, if you have work or family obligations or both, you're, you're constantly balancing and it's not easy. What was the day like? I, I, I'll be very honest that I spent a lot of nights awake and when the kids went to sleep, I went to the books and I sat on the dining room table and my books were spread out all over the dining room table and I did that for three years. You know, when you want something, mm-hmm. hard work will help you get it. And, and failure wasn't an option. It was what I wanted. I waited a long time and I wasn't going to fail. So you have to focus on your goal. And that's, that's what I kept doing. No matter what, I focused on my goal. And I kept saying to myself, it's okay. It's only three years. It's, only, <laughs> but it's not really only three years. But <laughs> you keep saying to yourself, it's yeah. okay. Three years, you can do this. You can do this. And okay, one more year, and then the first year went by, and then I said, okay, I'm past year one, now let me get to year two, and it's going to be easier, and then year three, it's going to be easier. Well, it's never easier, but... Yeah, it, but you um, say that to yourself. Yeah, but you have to motivate yourself with something. Yeah. It did It did get easier when I when I uh, gave up the, the business and really focused on being a student full-time, and, and that did happen in, in year two. So it did get a little bit easier in that I didn't have as many obligations Mm -hmm. but my kids were young and then uh, I had in fact I had two children two more children while (laughs) I was in law school so (laughs) because life wasn't busy enough (laughs) we had two more (laughs) so that question I had for you Mm -hmm. was the the giving up part because you gave up your your practice and the business that you were working on in life, there's always the give and take. If you want to do more of something, you're gonna something else is gonna suffer. Um, when did you know that the business was gonna be the one to kind of have to let go? I in kind of terms for you to succeed more in law school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't like the word suffer because yeah. it's a choice, right? We make yeah. a choice about what is the priority at this time. So at that time in my life, the priority was to finish my education and mm-hmm. to become a lawyer. That was yeah. my goal when I was young and it mm-hmm. was time to to fulfill that. My career didn't suffer yeah. and my my business didn't suffer. In fact, it was taken over by um, um, the lead foreman who was fantastic and so there was no issue. But mm-hmm. if, when you when you decide that you want something, yeah. you do what t- you do what it takes. And you don't, if you stop and think about it, you actually will stop. So what you need to do is just keep looking forward down the road and know, know, keep your eye on the prize and, and keep working hard and, and know that there are going to be obstacles for everybody. There are obstacles, um, if, you know, whatever you come across. So it may be a choice that you make, making one thing more of a priority and another thing less of a priority, but mm-hmm. you can balance you just have to find the balance that's right for you. And everybody's different. You know, mm-hmm. for me as a mature student, you know, having with having two more kids and so having four kids while I was in law school, it was a challenge. But it didn't it didn't knock me off my goal. It might have made it a little bit harder for me to 
get some sleep for a few years, but it didn't <laughs> knock me off my goal. Um, and it was well worth it. And, you know, I'm, I'm here 22 years later and mm -hmm. it, it was well worth it. And the kids, the kids didn't, well, I suppose you could ask them, but I was going to say they didn't suffer, but I suppose you could ask them. Maybe they I did. Only, I only know the one story, and that was my mom always brings it up. And my mom always saying she came by the house one day, and I think it was Jordan was doing his laundry, and he wasn't tall enough to get to it. So he had to get the step stool and had to step right. up and then put everything in and do his own laundry and stuff like that. And I right. just remember... I remember that story, and that was the only thing I used to just keep laughing at. So I'm like thinking, like, <laughs> Jordan's getting well, up on a stool and doing everything like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that uh, was truly related to me being in law school, not because I couldn't <laughs> do their laundry, but because exactly. I wanted them to know. For, for me, double digits. When you have children, double digits, you should be learning how to take care yeah. of yourself, and and you're sure. doing some chores. So laundry was exactly. the first one to teach them. So he was probably around 10 years old or 11 years old. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't the tallest, but he'll get upset no. that I said no, that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>to move into the second part of our kind of conversation out of, mm -hmm. out of three was was successful parenting and mm -hmm. i know with you and my mom i can always rely on wisdoms and words to kind of help me go through things and it's always a challenge of like being young you're just trying to get things going and everything what's the most uh, important aspect of being a parent like what's the kind of it's kind of a, a very broad question but what's kind of the most important aspect it's just it's just love mm -hmm. you know if you if you approach everything with love first then everything's going to fall into place mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles or challenges as a parent and no parent is perfect just like no child is perfect you know exactly. but if you have love and you approach things with love first then you get through it sure. love and, and 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 patience you know patience we all lose our patience, you know, every now and then. Yeah, it's and, normal. That's human. You know, yeah. it's normal. And when you're tired, you, you know, you're, you lose your patience more. But exactly. you, have to, you have to try your very best to, to give your best to your child. And, and that's the commitment that you make as a parent is that you are raising a child and guiding a child. And the child only learns from you in the beginning in the mm -hmm. first years of life so exactly. you have to you have to give it your best shot and that's that's good enough perfection is not the goal understanding and you know creating a loving home and a supportive home that's the goal i wanted to ask you challenges parents mm -hmm. go through many challenges um mm -hmm. what was one of the challenges that you faced especially being a parent trying to balance at potentially the business school and the family and then not taking out the family taking out the business and having the family and school what was kind of challenges that you faced as a mature student mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in terms of parenting um i think i always uh i always worried that i would miss mm -hmm. uh, an opportunity or miss an opportunity to be there or miss a moment that i absolutely should have been there for the kids so i i 
I paid, I zoomed in a lot on that and paid a lot of attention to that. And I Mm -hmm. made sure that even with school and work, that I was always present in the important moments. You know, I may not have done the laundry today and it may be sitting there (laughs) and the dishes may still be dirty, but I was at the soccer game and I was at the basketball game and, you know, I made sure and if something was happening at school, I was I was one of those moms that would go down to the school and try and figure it out. And and, um, you know, the, the one thing that I tried to do with all of my kids and, and I think you ha- every parent has to do this when you have more than one is uh, to give dedicated time mm-hmm. to each child, although we and we have lots of fun, lots of laughter. Um, I tried always to give them their own one on one time. Yeah. And I do that today. They're all, you know, they're all in their 20s and 30s. And I do that today the same way I try to give them one-on-one time so that I'm connecting directly and I can see them and hear them where they're at mm-hmm. and try and be, you know, supportive in whatever way they want the support and need the support. The challenge is just making sure that you're there. Mm-hmm. You're there in, in not just physically present, but you're emotionally present and you're zoomed in and paying attention to what's happening with your child because there's lots happening, especially when children get into teenage teenagehood is, is a tough time for all (laughs) all children. And, you know, there's lots of, all of a sudden there's a barrage of influences, external influences from all over the place. You know, children are going to, make some bad choices sometimes and and you have to kind of get in there and figure it out with them and help them guide them through it but help them to get through it themselves as well so that they learn to be in you know problem solvers Mm -hmm. and that moving on to kind of the teenagerhood and stuff like that for me personally every time i knew i came every time i knew i'd stay sleep over or stay by the house was Mm -hmm. always kind of a lesson you could take away and even with even just being around Corey, like there's always lessons in terms of just what we do and how we hang out. And mm-hmm. that comes from both of our homes of how my mom raised me and how you raised Corey and the other and the others. What lesson do you personally think that the kids took away once they all grew up and moved out and did their own their own thing? What kind of lessons do you think that that they took away from from you and the household and the family? Uh, well, I hope I, I think <laughs> and I hope. <laughs> because I see it in them. Um, I hope that they, and, and think that they all care deeply about, um, their family and their friends and, and whatever they put their hand to, whatever they put their mind to, Mm -hmm. they are all, uh, very passionate and very loving. And that was my biggest goal was my mother was very loving and she taught me above all else, to be loving first. And that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to teach the kids to be respectful, but to be loving first. Well, not that I think, right. I know that they no, have you know. it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I know that they have thing. it. And I sure they have. It. Moving to kind of, this is a broad question in terms of, even for me, um, especially being young and I've had conversations with friends about like, okay, when you get older and, and you have your house and you have your family, what ensures, um, you to have like a home that's a welcome, nurturing and safe environment for your family and for the friends that are in your family? What kind of um, 
traits and kind of morals instinct well i think again you start with love yeah and and being open-minded uh as much as you can and and you know that that takes a lot of practice and you don't get it right as a parent you don't always get it right because you you know you you sort of you start with what you learned and then Mm -hmm. you kind of figure out you're supposed to take all the good and leave the bad but -hmm. sometimes you kind of take the bad habits too and so you have to you have to be willing to see that in yourself and be willing to to grow and and my children have taught me so much more about life than I probably learned on my own and that's you know living through their experiences with them Mm-hmm. And learning from them and seeing their their own personalities, you know, and how they interact with other people and how they solve problems. Um, I think the most important thing for growing children is, like I said, approach with love first, um, patience, and also being very open-minded to hear even the things that aren't being said. Because lots is it's communicated in in the silence. Yeah, I totally understand that. Kind the last question in terms of the successful parenting conversation to kind of put it together is um, about conversation of success breeds success, and mm-hmm. I know all of them are competitive at nature in terms of athletics and everything like that, and yeah. and being in a sibling household and rivalry, you kind of compete with your sibling in terms of just things naturally Uh, did that happen in the household in terms of the success of one started to channel they all they all competed with each other all the time about everything but uh, (laughs) most of the time uh you know i mean kids are kids sometimes it gets a little heated but exactly uh, they were i've seen it a couple times yeah (laughs) they were all they're all they are all very very good at sports Um, they're all very competitive but they compete primarily with themselves like Mm -hmm. they want to be their best Mm -hmm. um, each one of them and and uh, they compare notes and i guess because you know they all played they all played soccer um you know Two of them, the boys played basketball as well. Yeah. The girls, you know, more carried on into soccer and soccer. the boys carried on into, into basketball. basketball. It led to a lot of fun. We had yeah. a lot of fun with it. So, mm-hmm. and, and that, that created a, a wonderful support group for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kept them out of trouble most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> but the biggest thing was the support group, the support of of friends who were doing the same thing. And, you know, if one of them was going through a little bit of trouble at home or whatever it was, they, they would get together and support each other. And they do Mm -hmm. that to this day. And uh, that to me is a beautiful thing to see. And, and they all pushed each other to get better and to, Mm -hmm. to, to strive for excellence. And, you know, I always said to them, I don't, I, I don't care what, what, passion you choose in your life whatever you want to pursue as your career whether it's a you know a garbage man or a university (laughs) professor but if it's a garbage man you make sure that you're the best damn garbage man in the world Mm -hmm. and that's that's the philosophy is you know whatever you want whatever is your passion do it but do it to the best of your ability 
our success, my success, I think, and their father's success in his business. He's very successful in his business. I think that they saw that as something to strive toward as personal Mm -hmm. success and satisfaction in your, in your career and being passionate about what you do. And, and I think they've taken, they've all taken that on. And, you know, in the, in the beginning, you've, you know, in your early twenties, you kind of struggle to find your way a little bit, but then yeah. you, you know, you eventually you find your way and you land on something. And, you know, if that something doesn't work out, the, the important thing is just to keep going down the road and, and keep mm-hmm. moving because something is going to, something is going to suit and yeah. you're going to feel good about it and you're going to wake up and be passionate. It's not going to feel like work anymore. It's going to feel like this is my passion and I should be doing this and I love it and I'm going to put, give it my all. So, I mean, that that was my my hope for all of them was that they find something that they're absolutely, truly passionate about and they give it their all and they're very happy in their life doing whatever that is. Um, that to me is is success. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. And so we expected success of them mm-hmm. and they, they expect expected success of themselves. of themselves. Yeah. And, and being competitive and being uh, in sports encourages that as well. It encourages you to excel and to be your best. So I think all, I think it, their whole uh, upbringing really supported that. And they carried it on to their kind of, yeah, they carry it on in their, in their adult lives now. They do. They yeah, do. exactly. And just different ways. They've taken that uh, that motivation through sports and stuff and put it into their passions and their hobby. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. final conversation and section of um, this interview was kind of to talk more about especially with the recent Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's been going on within the last year and I know your your voice on social media um, is amazing in terms of educating and keeping up to date and keeping those that follow you up to date in terms of what's going on with Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter. Tell me a little bit more about the experience you had of being um white mother with biracial kids because we never really hear from that voice mm-hmm. in terms of being um a white mother with biracial kids we usually hear from usually the father but we never really get to hear that perspective and what you experience and what you've went through in terms of it mm-hmm. um well i mean this is this is a a topic that is really loaded and really important and it's always been important, but yeah. it is now, it is now spotlight important. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say it in a, in a bit of an odd way, but even white people are talking about it, you know, <laughs> so that that's important. Um, yeah. You know, when the kids were younger, we made, we made some decisions as, as a, a black father and a white mother, we made decisions, deliberate decisions for our family. We made a de- deliberate decision about where we lived, about the schools that they were going to go to, um, the, the friends that we have. And, and the decision was that we were going to live in a multicultural area, 
in a more tolerant area to make sure that the kids uh, were supported in their neighborhood and, mm-hmm. and that they had a diverse group of friends, mm-hmm. and they do, and that they, had, they were free to choose their identity and their culture without pressure. And mm-hmm. that's tough because if you're black, you're black. My children are black. They are very light-skinned, but they are black. That is, that is who they are, and they claim it, and they're proud of it. And the one thing that we wanted, um, both their dad and I, we always wanted to make sure that they were never ashamed of mom or dad, that mm-hmm. whoever picked them up from school was okay. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't, a, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have to hide or I didn't have to, you know, drop them <laughs> off 20 feet from the door. Yeah. <laughs> and, Maybe it was for other reasons, but it wasn't yeah. because of my skin color, I think. <laughs> exactly. um, so we tried very hard to, to surround them with support and educated people, and, but also people who were aware and tolerant. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we, that we didn't experience some intolerance. We did, and so yeah. did the kids. And when it happened, we had to deal with it, and we, we did. We talked about lots of different things, and um, their dad and I read lots of books. I, don't, I think we read every book on the planet that we could find about raise, raising biracial children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because we wanted to make sure that we armed them with everything that they needed to be successful and happy in the world. And that the world, that they knew their self-worth. And that regardless of, of the things that are happening in the world, that are still happening in the world, yeah. they knew their worth. Exactly. They didn't, you know, and they made choices not because they were half black or half white, they made choices because they were human and that, mm-hmm. and those choices were the best choices for them as a human being. Um, those, and I'm talking about choices of integrity and, and respect for others and tolerance. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was important to us. And we tried to teach them that we, we did along the way. We, we had some things that we, we had to, guide them through but Mm -hmm. that's what everything though yeah yeah um but you do like i said you do your best and Mm -hmm. we have we have uh multicultural friends Mm -hmm. and the one thing and you know i mean as a white person i have myself had to look deep and find my own biases and as much as I think I'm not of course I am everybody is that's uh, we grow up that way um so we have to we have to be willing to look inside first yeah and that ability to, to yeah. self-check yourself yeah once in yeah a while. and we have to we have to question things and so you know I try to be very self-aware but you know I'm gonna make mistakes like other people but with of the course. kids um we have lots of discussions and it's actually really amazing to have those discussions because, you know, we're all individuals and we all might have a different approach to something or a different viewpoint. And that's okay. As long as we respect each other, 
and we respect that we can have different viewpoints. You know, knowing where you come from mm -hmm. is important to knowing where you're going. Yeah, of course. And so for, for me personally, it was it has always been important that my children know where they came from. And that's both their Jamaican, their father's background mm -hmm. and heritage, mm -hmm. um, and also mine, which is just simply British. <laughs> you know, you can get more, can get more white, I guess. British, also from, uh, I'm, I'm from Quebec. I'm from, so there's a little bit of a different European uh, flip to that. Yeah. But um, it was important for them to, for us, that they learn and appreciate both yeah. and, and, and are, are completely comfortable with both. Mm -hmm. So, and I think they are. I think they are. I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty proud of my kids. They're, they're pretty, um, <laughs> they're, they're pretty outspoken on sure. how they feel about what's going on in the world today. And, you know, with, with, with the recent events and the Black Lives Matter movement and, and it, it's hard for everybody, but doesn't mean you know it's only in challenges that we grow and yeah. we need to challenge everybody everybody in a respectful way maybe you know sometimes it gets a little heated but i think it's important to surround yourself particularly for me because i am a white mother of black children it's important for me to be to listen more and talk less mm -hmm. and be aware and read. I read, I read, I read, I read, I read, I, I read everything that I can Education. Find. Yeah. I think it's important. It's important to know where we all come from. It's important to know history so that we can either uh, reject it and mm -hmm. make change, mm -hmm. or we can take some of the good and carry that forward. But um, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. There's a lot that gives, gives, makes my heart hurt. Yeah. And, and, you know, I am privileged and my heart hurts. And that's the, that's kind of the conversation point now, too, is is being able to open the floor to people to educate themselves. And it's mm -hmm. not forced education, because if you force someone to learn something, then at that time, they're not ready and they'll hold resentment potentially to the education you're giving them. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. kind of meeting people where they're at in terms of the education. Yeah. And, and also, you know, finding out why, you mm -hmm. know, maybe digging a little deeper. Why do you, why do you feel a certain mm -hmm. way? And where did that come from? And, you know, mm -hmm. let me help you see something maybe a little bit differently. And, exactly. you know, sometimes you can do it really gently. Sometimes it's not so gently, but the goal is to help people become more aware, mm -hmm. more respectful and more tolerant. And, you know, I go back to the same thing I said about the kids and growing the kids. Like we do it with love. We got to do it with love yeah. because, and we got to come together. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not just, it's, it's not the responsibility in my view. It's not the responsibility of black people to change this world. In no. fact, it's the responsibility of the people who are oppressing black people, whoever they are. I think that's important. And I think, you know, we make little changes wherever, wherever you are in, in your life, you, mm -hmm. 
there, there's a way to help and make a little bit of a change, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I poked and prodded a little bit at work and, and, you know, mm-hmm. got some improvements in the, in the diversity initiatives and, and I poked and prodded some family members and some friends and shared some books around. There's, there's things that we can do and mm-hmm. we, we, we got to keep doing it. We yeah. got to keep doing it. That's all, you know? To add, to add to the conversation, um, in terms of the kids too, they dealt with their own form of discrimination. And that's kind of the conversation that's not talked about is that kids of biracial do deal with discrimination. It's just, um, how was that kind of handled in terms of it? If, if that's okay with a question to ask. Yeah. I mean, these are all, you know, <laughs> these are all, I mean, you're, you're asking, um, from my thoughts on this, you know, mm-hmm. my thoughts of course are going to be different maybe than my children's thoughts. Right. So, exactly. you know, it's my perspective, one, as a parent, two, as a mm-hmm. white parent, three, as a white mother, different perspective than my children who are living it daily every day. As soon as they walk out on the, you know, on the street and yeah. somebody looks at them or treats them, maybe potentially treats them differently or makes an assumption about who they are. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've even had that happen at the doctor's office. And, and, you know, you have to you have to draw people up and say, hey, you know, you, I think you're making an assumption here about something and yeah. it's not cool. And I think um, everybody has to find their own way and their mm-hmm. own comfort level in in pushing for change. And, and my kids all do it differently and they mm-hmm. do it in their own way, mm-hmm. but they feel deeply. And so, yeah. they, yes, they have, they have their challenges. And, and depending on where you are and in, in what, what how you surround yourself and with, with whom you surround yourself, it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. So and environmental factors do impact your success in that respect. So... Uh, I'll give you a little example. I was actually just talking to a girlfriend of mine earlier mm-hmm. today. I'm I'm moving for a renovation into mm-hmm. a, a new neighborhood that I I've never been in mm-hmm. uh, before. And um, she said to me, "You know, that's that's a pretty white neighborhood." And I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, oh, it's funny that you <laughs> say that because um, I was wondering." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, should I put my Black Lives Matter flag out right away? Or what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and not to make light of the situation, because really, no. it's a very serious situation. But this, this is these, these are the, the conversations that we have to be able to have, we have to be able to talk about how to make things better. And if it means pushing a little bit, so we push a little bit, you know, yeah. but you got to find your own comfort level. And, and exactly. Um, when it comes, when, we, when I'm sitting around the table with my kids, believe me, I'm not the one talking. I'm mm-hmm. the one listening and they're talking. Mm-hmm. And I really, it's important for me to hear them and to hear what their experiences are so mm-hmm. that I understand. I want to thank you so much, Auntie Tammy, for taking your time to You're welcome. It's my talk pleasure. to me. I'm very proud of you. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you anytime.
exactly i wanted i wanted to do this formally too with you because we always have conversations canada day and every time anytime there's any events happening we'll mm-hmm. talk but i think having you be able to have someone to listen to this that someone out there going through the potential opportunity to go back and be a mature student needs that kind of motivation from someone that's gone through the process maybe to go through that opportunity and be like oh i don't want to do it and if they listen to this then for them to understand that it's going to be a challenge but here are the things that i did it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it anytime you're following your dream it's worth Mm -hmm. the journey and you know Mm -hmm. sometimes the journey is not so not so hard and sometimes it's harder but it's 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 all worth it because you're following your passion and it's going to lead you to your goal Oh,